welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am absolutely thrilled to introduce today's guest, Jessica Spear, who will be talking with us about her new book, Safety Goggles Advised. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me, Carly. It's so good to be back with you again to talk about books. I love talking with you about books and I love your subject matter because it's all about kids, right? All about yeah. helping children and their parents. Yeah, and middle school. Yeah, so the title actually is Middle School Safety Goggles Advice. So this is a deep, deep dive into just the middle school experience in a, in a way that's fun, but also real and honest and filled with the voices of students. And, uh, you know, I've seen the book and I absolutely adore it. The format's very welcoming, yet informative and sensitive and helps people who helps middle schoolers and their parents who are having some questions about this kind of very anxiety inducing world we live in right now. And middle school is anxiety inducing in any event, but it's a little bit on hyperspeed right now. Yeah. So as kids are entering, I really want, well, as kids are entering the school environment after COVID lockdown, after all of the unrest they've experienced for the last two plus years, what is some of the advice that you're offering families? Yeah, you know, it's it's been, of course, a hugely tricky time for kids. You know, we they were in their school setting or or you know their structured life, and then all of a sudden it went to unstructured, and and they lost those opportunities, you know, for their normal academic progress, also their their usual you know social emotional development progress. So you know what I've been hearing from teachers is it's been a tr- like last year was tricky. You know, we were back in school, but it was tricky. They noticed that they a lot of kids didn't have maybe the skills or the awareness that they might have had had they had just normal, you know, normal progress through school. So yeah, it's been a tricky time. But I, I do believe, you know, kids are so resilient that, you know, they're going to catch up. They're going to catch up. And, you know, one of the things I'm hoping to do with this book is is just reconnect them with their 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 social world and the ins and outs of navigating friendships and things like that. And so, yeah, so like my first book, this book is super interactive and filled with huge humor and fun and stories. And, you know, what I did to write this book was spend a lot of time in seventh grade classrooms because I really wanted to understand what is it like to be a middle schooler today. And so out of that grew um, a lot of feedback and ideas from kids as to even how, why, you know, what will make this book readable. Um, And, you know, one of the the best insights I heard from kids, which I incorporated in the book is choose your own ending story. So this, every chapter has a choose your own ending story of a 
tricky, you know, but typical middle school scenario. And so they get to, you know, read the scenario and they decide, you know, if they did option A, if they did option B, option C. So it's kind of a gentle but fun way to help kids, you know, think through really common but difficult situations. Um, so yeah, it's got beautiful illustrations. So I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be a fun read for kids and a, and a read that'll help parents get their head back in the middle school game. You know, it's easy for us to forget what middle school was really like, but this book will quickly bring them right back into, you know, the middle school years. Absolutely. And I love, you know, I really have to highlight that piece about choose your own ending because if parents can help children early on realize that sometimes often we make mistakes make a bad decision, don't know what's happening. And if we learn in the future just to pause and say, oh, how could I have done that differently? How could I create a different ending next time? Mm -hmm. And your book sets the platform for that perfectly. It's not about blaming, shaming, should, shouldn't. It's about, wait, slow down, take a look at what works for you. What would create a healthy, positive outcome? I so appreciate that about your work. Oh, thank you. You know, because you know, let's face it, a middle school is tricky. It's it's totally different scene than elementary school, you know, and that's that's what kids were telling me. And they love talking about the weird and the awkward and the tricky. They wanted to just talk about it. And I think they wanted to talk about it because it it, it just needs, uh, we need to shed a light on it that, yeah, this is really a different thing for them to manage. You know, the social dynamics are different. They're exploring their own identities. They're navigating puberty. You know, they're meeting a bunch of new people. You know, school is very different. So, so it is a huge time of change. So it's not surprising that it's hard to know how to navigate this. And so mistakes are common. And, you know, this is the first time they they're experiencing a lot of these things. Like maybe they're the, the, the depth of cliques and groups or maybe gossip or, you know, even crushes and dating. It's all new. So, you know, of course they don't know exactly how to navigate this because it's brand new. So I'm hoping to just, you know, just ease that process a little bit so they can read through some of these scenarios and think about, oh, how might I, how might I deal with that? What might I have done in that situation? You know, of course there's still going to be mistakes and, you know, lots of opportunities for learning and growth, but it just gives like a sneak preview into middle school for kids entering or like right in the thick of it. Absolutely. And I also love how a, a key emphasis of the book is about friendship, about socialization, about this very important time in life that can affect us, if it, especially if it goes wrong, affect mm -hmm. us into adulthood. And and so many people that I work with as, as a clinical psychologist, they look back at middle school years and say, oh my God, it was awful. I didn't fit in. I was bullied. There were cliques. There were, there was this. And you help prevent, your book helps prevent some of that from happening. We can't, it doesn't control everything, but it gives really solid tips and tools and self-awareness, self-awareness growth that really supports that. Yeah, because I think at this in this really vulnerable stage of life, it's really easy for kids to feel like, you know, if something happens, um, that there's something wrong with them. But really, if we if we unpack, you know, what happens, what what normally is going on, a lot of these situations that we might experience in middle school, maybe it's exclusion, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's, you know, um, feeling overwhelmed with stress or anxiety or not feeling confident in ourselves. A lot of these things are just part of one, that phase, but also 
they are behaviors that kids are resorting to in a way to fit in, in a way to belong, mm. a way to maybe gain status, um, maybe because they don't yet know how to navigate conflict. So, so what I try to do is is peel away some of that and get to that. That you know, a lot of the the re, a lot what's driving a lot of the stuff that we you know see happening in middle school is often that it's kids learning how to navigate these things, learning how to fit in, learning how you know. So it it gets a little messy. Um, but some cool stuff comes out of that. You know, kids learn who they are. They do eventually learn how to navigate this. They, they learn how they want to be. They learn they have choices. So, so it's a messy process. But, you know, by the end, it's pretty inspiring. And, you know, so towards the end of my research, I talked to eighth graders, like, you know, what do you wish you'd known? And, and some of their comments were so inspiring, you know, what, you know, what they'd wish they'd known going into middle school. And, you know, one of the, the most common things I heard is I wish I'd been less nervous. I wish I'd been more open. I, you know, I, you know, so just, and that's, isn't that hindsight 2020 for all of us throughout life? You know, when we look back and like, I wish I'd maybe, you know, been more confident in myself and who I am. And so, so it was, it was just a joy to work with kids and, and as much as I could include a lot of their insights and wisdom in this book, because um, they had a ton. It makes it so real. That's a part of the book that is also so lovely. It is so authentic and relatable for an adult, but also certainly for a middle schooler who mm-hmm. hears that voice of peers. I do want to give a little bit of credit where credit is due. That positive shift through middle school, whether, you know, and it starts in elementary school and before then, it doesn't necessarily have a positive outcome. Kids don't Mm -hmm. just learn these skills. Mm -hmm. They learn them because people like you are able to teach them and guide them, right? So absent really good educational program programs, really good books, substantive books and guidance, they won't learn the healthy patterns. Well, and that is definitely one of the themes I keep circling back Mm -hmm. to in the book is, you know, hey, it's actually not really about you. You know, all that stuff, it's actually not really about you. And so, mm-hmm. so sometimes kids in those preteens years, they take it to heart. They, they might take that snide comment to heart or that, you know, that inappropriate behavior as a reflection of them where it, it just, it isn't. So yeah, you're right. That is, that is a common theme in the book. And I just want kids to be so aware of that, that they are okay. You know, that they are doing the best they can with the skills they got. And so is everybody else. Um, and it's middle school, so it's going to be a little bit messy. So as much as I can too, I just try to keep it light. You know, we we just have to, you know, you know, laugh when we can and really shine a light on some of these totally awkward situations we find ourselves in and know that absolutely it's okay. You know, it's it's kind of a tricky, uncomfortable time, but you know, you are gonna get through it. You know, you got this. You got this. And you know, given that middle school is such a messy, as you say, messy social laboratory. All <laughs> of this, right? All of these pieces bubbling around you, right? Do you think that your book, you know, it's a familiar book and our values are really, you know, the 10 habits of a healthy family, love together, play together, learn together, work together, talk together, heal together, read together, eat together, laugh together, give together. So when we look at middle school, safety goggles advised, how is this book going to help make families happier? You know, I think it's it's a 
place where one parents can, if they happen to read it too, which I always encourage, if they read it, they will tap in to the tricky part of middle school, which I think will make them a lot more empathic to their kids instead of, you know, instead of the quick response is like, oh, shake it off or don't worry about it. You know, it, it actually clearly reminds us of, oh, these things do feel like a super big deal and they mm-hmm. are, they are really hard. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, from the parent perspective, I think it's helpful to, to get their head in that space when their kids are about to enter or are in middle school. And then for kids, you know, just the chance to kind of learn and grow and know that there are resources out there and there are resources within themselves and they've got choices and you know so just yeah it's 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 written in a way uh, it's almost written like a you know they're reading what their friend might be telling them you know because because there's tons of stories and quotes from peers so there are kids talking to kids about how this is how this is going and what they might consider to do in some situations and um, yeah so it was it was so fun to write I just had a ball and I had a ball working with students who were super excited to share their stories. And I really would love to touch back to that part where you were in the classroom. I can't even imagine, right? Seventh graders, if you're not their teacher, you know, get out of my classroom, please. Like, who are you? I can only imagine how parents who are listening to the podcast might be saying, what on earth was that experience like? Did they accept you? Did they reject you? Were they wary of you? And do tell. What well, do so, we as parents yes. need to know from your fly on the wall well, position? Well, first of all, they were psyched because that meant they weren't doing their schoolwork. You know? so, <laughs> so they were so happy that every time I showed up, they're like, yes, that means I don't have to be doing, you know, grammar or whatever it might be. So, so, so they were actually really um, welcoming. And I visited, you know, several classrooms over the course of the year. So they got to know me and I did find they really enjoyed enjoyed sharing. Um, but it was interesting. I got to, I got a sense of the dynamic. So, you know, sometimes we'd, we talk as a, as a whole class. Sometimes I'd pull them into smaller groups and sometimes I'd have them write things down because, you know, you, you know, that it's in middle school, especially there's certain things you're just not going to say in front of the whole class or in front of a group. So, um, some of the best insights I got were when I had little slips of paper and just asked a simple question and, you know, they really, you know, shared with me that way. So, so being in the classroom was so fun and I loved getting to know the kids over the course of the year and and they and I found them to be so honest and actually to appreciate the chance to talk about these things. Mm. So they were really appreciative and really welcoming. Yes, very and, much. And, and sounds like they really interacted with you in a genuine way. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. there were there were topics they really wanted to talk about. So what I started with it was the question at the beginning of the school year in seventh grade, you know, what is the trickiest thing? What are some of the trickiest things about middle school? So I got lots and lots of feedback on that, which I kind of figured out what were the, the most um, common responses? You know, what were the most top 10 responses? And then I would go back and each visit maybe meet with a small group on a specific response. Um, so I could really dive in deeper on certain topics. And so, you know, the, the topics that they, you know, the trickiest things that they named were, you know, the social media is tricky. You know, the whole popularity mm-hmm. scene is tricky. The whole groups, you know, click scene is tricky. Um, 
you know, stress, which is, was interesting to me that that came up quite a lot, you know, aggressive behaviors, you know, slash, you know, in some cases, bullying. So, so it's a lot of the common things that you and I might ex- remember about middle school, but what was new that I found was, you know, they, the, Trick, the trickiness of social media, and then as well as just stress, you know, the, the stress that they the feel stress in their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. Let's yep. move into that for a minute. I can see a parent saying, stress? What yeah. stress? My yeah. child has food, clothing, shelter, all of these luxury items, a phone, a this, a that. How could my child possibly be under stress? Yeah. What would you say to that parent? Well, you know, what I found is that there were, there was two different kinds, well, no, three different kinds of stress. One was very academic. So all of a sudden, you know, from elementary school where it feels pretty low key that they have grades in their tests actually have a grade and it shows up on an online portal and they can check that grade and so can their parents. And, you know, so that the academic piece felt stressful to them, mm-hmm. that they, they felt like all of a sudden their grades mattered. Um, the other thing was being so busy. So, you know, today's kids, which mm-hmm. wasn't the case when I was growing up, that they have a lot of after school activities. So, you know, going from one thing to the other, you know, feeling very busy. And then the last, you know, sense of stress I heard was just the social stress, the that stress of, you know, how are my friendships? You know, am I okay? You know, am I fitting in? So the stress of, just socially, you know, am I doing all right? You know, am I, am I feeling like yeah. I have meaningful friendship or, you know, cause there are a lot of shifts in this, you know, in, in the middle school year, there's a lot of shifts in friendship and that can feel super unsettling, you know, that if it doesn't feel like you have some close friends or your, your, your tight knit group isn't actually that tight knit. And there's a lot of, you know, conflict there. So that's stressful on kids too. Thank you, because looking at that, having you break it down into three types of stress, the academic stress, of course, the pressure for the good grades, the very busy schedules that are Mm -hmm. sometimes overly filled, and then, of course, the social piece, friendships, am I accepted, Mm -hmm. right? Am I safe? Am I loved? Am I supported? That piece of it. And what do you think parents can do? to mitigate some of that stress in each of those three areas? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay, so for school, I think it's really important just to to help them get organized, you know, and and some Mm. schools do a great job of this. So in middle school, sometimes our prefrontal cortex isn't, you know, ready for (laughs) all of a sudden we have to organize six classes and, you know, no one tests are. So they can help kids get organized in that way, but also let them know that, you know, they might not get A's in every class, you know, they, they, you know, that they just do their best they can and we'll tap into resources if we need help, but to take the perfectionist pressure off kids, you know, just because, you know, we know as parents that actually those middle school grades don't actually matter. (laughs) So that might not be the message, but the message might be, you know, this is your chance to learn, to get your systems in place, to learn how to study, to learn what you need to do. If something doesn't work out and you get a bad test grade, you know, talk to your teacher. So, so learning those skills so that, you know, when grades actually do start to matter more in high school, that they're, they're ready and equipped for that. So, so parents can do a lot taking the pressure off that, you know, that academic Excellent. piece. Excellent. Yeah, and so, as far as, you know, the, the, the activity piece, just being really aware, you know, this is a, this is a stage of life where sleep is so important. Oh, yes. And if they're so 
packed with stuff. And, and then also, you know, on social media and trying to connect with friends at night that they're not getting enough sleep, that's going to have a ripple effect on everything. So this might be the time where they're really looking at what are the activities that matter the very most to them. You know, if they're getting to the point where they're actually feeling anxiety, what can they let go of? Because mm. we need to get those stress levels back down to a healthy level. You know, so so what what activity are they not that interested in that we can just let go? You know, and just focus on the stuff that really they're, you know, really brings them joy and inspires them so they have time to, you know, get their schoolwork done and sleep, you know, and, and take sleep. care of their take care of their well-being. And I love that you brought up that piece, the two two things, the sleep, because many people think kids, middle schoolers need seven hours of sleep, eight hours sleep. No, research shows 10, sometimes 12. Oh, Those little brains, brains and bodies are growing, growing, growing. And the other piece that I'm really glad that you brought up is it's okay to let go of activities. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's also about the parent letting go of the activity. Right. right. Exactly. The, yes. Yep. Sometimes the parent who says, oh, I want, you know, him or her to do this, 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 this. Sometimes we as parents have to look and say, wait, my child's happiness mm -hmm. and well-being matters more than how many extracurricular activities they yes. have under their belt. Yes. And I cannot stress just how important sleep is, you know, and, and mm -hmm. the kids I was talking to, they were pretty clear they were not getting enough sleep. <laughs> you know, they wow. knew that. And sometimes it has to do, you know, with phones and bedrooms, which is, that's a real challenge for parents to to navigate that because a lot of their friends ha ha, you know, have their phones in their bedroom. So they're all up chatting. You know, there's there's like an online text party going on at 11 o'clock at night. You know, so it's very hard for parents to put this in place. So, you know, what I do encourage parents is, you know, w at the point in time where you feel like your your child is ready for a phone, have really clear rules about that. It's it's hard later to switch out of that. But if you could start with, you know, a, a, a phone contract and there's great um, contracts online, sample phone contracts, and, you know, some rules that everybody agrees upon, house rules, which parents might have to agree to these rules too, you know, so everybody's on the same playing field. They're all abiding by the same household tech rules, um, but that will help as soon, you know, as soon as kids start getting phones in bedrooms, you just have another big competitor for sleep there. Absolutely. And I am a firm believer of phones, technology out of the bedroom, mm -hmm. just out of the bedroom keeps it easy for everyone. And I also like how you said it's important for parents to have the yes. same rules, right? Yes, yes. Right? So we're, we're modeling, we're mm -hmm. modeling good behavior. So your the last piece about the stress was social. How yes. can parents help their kids with that yeah. social stress. And this is a big one um, because, you know, if we look, you know, and studies have shown that there's a lot of transitions in friendship in middle school and for all sorts of reasons. Um, but that can feel really unsettling because there's never a time in our lives where we want to fit in and belong more than middle school. That, mm -hmm. That's like it. That mm -hmm. is our number one thing is just to fit in and belong. But there's a lot of transitions there. So what can, what, your parents can do to help is one, just when their kids are feeling in those those tough spots, be a sounding board, be an emotional coach, you know, try not to jump in with advice because what we often forget is a lot of these situations are more complicated than we know. You know, mm -hmm. we quickly jump in with advice and maybe make some judgments about some kids and there's a lot more going on. So just by allowing our kids to vent and to share their emotions and to talk about them, 
you were creating a safe space at home for them. So they know if they have a really bad day, you know, they, you know, when they're ready, they can open up about that at home and know that we as parents, one, aren't going to go off on our own emotional roller coaster. So then they're worried about us, yes. you know, that we're not going to jump in with totally inappropriate advice, you know, that we are just going to listen and we're going to empathize with them. And if they want, help them figure out what to do. But often they just need to share this really tough situation, this tough day. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's the, the, one of the best things that we could do for them in that area. And then if we do notice that over time they're struggling and, you know, it seems like they're, they're struggling more than they should be, maybe not wanting to go to school and starting to complain about stomach aches and things like that, you know, that might be a time where we do need to step in and get some extra help. Maybe things are really going so badly that we need some extra supports for them. Maybe we, you know, check in with the school counselor or get some other supports if we notice that, hey, this is really lasting over time and they're mm. having a hard time fitting and they're having a hard time finding friends and connecting. Um, so, so keep an eye on that too. Sometimes we do need to, to bring in some extra extra supports for kids. And I really love, you know, both of those pieces is, is the first, and I want to highlight it, that creation of the safe space. Mm -hmm. Parents often underestimate how important when that external world is so chaotic and uncertain and confusing that when we create a safe space at home, where it's calm as possible, relaxed, safe, mm -hmm. you know, from the parents, physically safe, emotionally safe, mentally safe. That is one of the best things a parent can do is to create mm -hmm. that safe space. So thank you for highlighting that. And also, you know, I think it's so important, as you said, that when parents notice something is wrong, we don't want to be hyper, you know, reactive, but we do want to notice it. So with you being the expert, let's imagine that a parent notices that something's wrong and they suspect that a child's being bullied. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that parent? Mm -hmm. How, how should that parent proceed? You know, first, you know, keep the lines of communication open with your kids, you know, so see if you can get them to open up about what's happening. I wouldn't proceed with any solutions, you know, without getting their permission first, because again, sometimes things are more complicated than they appear, but you could ask them if it's okay to check in with their teacher, or if it's okay for you to just check in with the school counselor, just to get a sense of of what's happening, letting them know mm -hmm. that you've noticed, you know, a, a, a change in their mood that's lasted for a long time. You've noticed maybe they're no longer interested in going to school or, you know, their, their physical symptoms, they're not feeling well. So I would just as with as much empathy and support, share your concern for them and, and make sure that they're okay with how you're moving forward. You know, I, I, I would not get involved, especially with like calling other parents or, you know, trying to figure out the situation. Mm -hmm without really their permission with, you know, what, how can we do this? Because you want to help them get through this. You want to help them, you know, start to feel more like themselves again. So, so yes, starting with your child, but, you know, knowing that, that you might have to reach out to some other sources to, to get a really good sense of what's going on. Because if it was a situation of bullying, we would never want to ignore that, you know, so we don't want to just let that go. But it, it, it often, the kids need to lead the charge as to how, how we're going to figure this out and how we're going to create 
create this change. Okay, one more question then. Yeah. If let's say that you are now acutely aware that your child is being bullied and the child is so afraid mm -hmm. of repercussions at school yes. and they say no, Mom, no, Dad, I do not want you contacting the school. I will, it, things will be much worse. Leave it alone. Yes. Do you leave it alone? If they're, fear, if they're afraid for their safety, no, I, I actually wouldn't leave it alone. Mm. And, and at that point, if it's actually, they are, they're concerned for their own safety, that's when you might have to step in and say, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm a concern for your safety too. And as your parent, I do need to, you know, to ask your principal here for some guidance, you know, and so, so figure that out. And then going in, you know, just with as much information as you can, if you set a meeting and you're talking to the principal, you know, just because it it's it's it it can backfire, and I hate to say that, but sometimes it can backfire on kids. So, it, mm -hmm. so the the adults involved have to be so cautious of that. And sometimes the solution might be changing things up, you know, in a in a whole new way. It might be moving out of a classroom. It might be moving to a different school. So depending on the depth of of the situation, yes. how serious it is. But I but what what I'm I want to be so clear on it. If it is a case of bullying, it does need to stop. And ideally, you know, we're starting with the the kids who have some authority as to how they want to see that handled. You know, but it does it does need to stop. And sometimes we as adults need to step in there and figure out a way as calmly as we can to, to look after kids so that they are not having to deal with that over any long-term situation. Abs, thank you. Thank you for that because you, you're right. We don't want to sit back and mm -hmm. watch something negative evolve. And we do want to model positive behavior as we lead the charge, so to speak, to make sure that the school situation is safe. Yeah. So. And I think it's it, it really requires getting a deep, deep understanding. And I talk about this in the book because we've done such a great job of bullying awareness. It's sometimes things that are just conflict or just mean behaviors are labeled as bullying. And that that doesn't do us any good when there actually is a bullying situation. Mm. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf sort of a thing. So I do break this down really clearly for kids. So so there's big differences between just conflict and mean behavior and bullying. And it's important to know that. So so what, what takes something from just somebody being mean to a bullying situation is one, it's pretty aggressive, you know, mm -hmm. so verbally aggressive, physically aggressive. It's pretty aggressive. It's repeated. And, you know, for in-person sort of situations, there is some sort of dynamic in power. So there might be someone who has a lot more status than one person, or there might be somebody who is a lot bigger than the other person. Mm -hmm. So there is some sort of power imbalance there. So, you know, with those things are in place, it's, it's pretty aggressive. It is repeated over time and there is some sort of power imbalance. It's, it sounds to me like a bullying situation. Now, now if we switch over to, to just mean behavior, you know, there's no shortage of meanness, unfortunately, in our world mm -hmm. and in middle school. You know, people say rude comments. They say, you know, they say unkind things. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of that. And so helping kids understand the difference that, you know, so unfortunately there is that. And we just, as humans, sometimes have to learn how to how to deal with mean people, you know, how to stand up for ourselves, how to not take things personally, how to just move on, you know, when that happens too. So so it's it's important for parents to understand that difference too, because we don't want to go off the handle, you know, if it's not a situation of bullying. So in all these situations, staying as parents, staying as calm, as grounded as possible, and trying to get as much information and understanding as we can, you know, is a great place to start. Thank you. All excellent information. 
it's so helpful because parents too when they see their kids struggling in middle school in any part of school it it doesn't necessarily make things easier for the child when the parent feels uncertain and right. that is another one of the pieces that I really love about your book that educators can read it and take a lot of insights from the book parents can read it and really better understand their children and have a better idea of how to help their middle school years not be perfect nothing's perfect but be healthy and fun yeah exactly yeah because you know we're all learning skills you know so so all middle schoolers are learning you know the skills of healthy relationships and they all have strengths in some areas and weaknesses in some areas so you know just we can identify that with especially as parents within our own kids that you know maybe our kid isn't the one that's actually gonna you know speak up and defend themselves and so you know how can we as 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 in such a supportive loving way as possible help them along that journey you know that you know that's that's maybe their journey and and another child's journey might be not to just give everybody you know a piece of her mind you know like telling everybody exactly what she thinks you know maybe she needs to learn how to you know make sure what she's saying is is actually, you know, treating the other person with respect. So, you know, they, they, we all are on these journeys to figure out, you know, where, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, where are opportunities to grow? And there's plenty of that, you know, happening in middle school. Absolutely. And one of the, you know, again, going back to your book and the quality of it, if a parent, whether, whether they read it with a child or they read it independently, sometimes as parents, we get removed from what it's like. Plus we didn't grow up in that generation. So for a parent to really read through the book, you know, whether they're an educator or whether they just simply have a middle schooler in the house or a soon to be middle schooler, it really helps you understand where a little bit more what today's struggles are like Mm -hmm. for that middle schooler. Yeah. Because even though we've all been through middle school, we haven't been through middle school like it is today. Yes. All of those very unique challenges. And so I thank you so much for writing this book. It is incredible. It is so helpful. It is a must read for every, you know, classroom, in my opinion, in the U.S. So thank you for bringing it, you know, to the familiar world. Can you tell me, but, you know, as we wind down, maybe one or two more pieces you'd really like to cover that we haven't covered or things you want to highlight? Yeah, so one of the pieces, I I mentioned this a little bit, but I I just am so excited about, you know, the choose your own ending stories in each chapter. And and what I love about it is I think it it really does dive into how hard this is. So the the first one is is the chapter about, Harsh, harsh judgment. So chapter one is actually about harsh judgment because that's what I heard the most from students is they feel very judged by their mm. peers. So I thought, what a perfect place to start. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about judgment and what fuels judgment and how do we navigate that? But there's a story at the end of that chapter about, um, you know, a student starting a diversity club at school and they sit down at their lunch table and their friends are talking about the diversity club, but not in a good way, like basically making fun of everybody. You know, and so then they get to choose their own ending there. And so, of course, you know, the perfect ending that we'd all love to see in fairy tales is they, you know, they stand up to that and immediately put that to, you know, 
they stop that right there, you know, but then there's others that, oh, you just, you know, take another path. That's not quite that, or, mm. you know, you, or you join in the fun. And, you know, I've read this out loud to, to groups and you could immediately sense that it's, you know, it's really hard to, to, in that scenario, you're sitting down with your friends in middle school to say, you know, what would be the perfect ending to that story? That is, yes. that takes so much courage, maturity, <sighs> self-awareness, you know, so the, the more common response is, you know, maybe they join the fun or they remain silent. But I love just thinking through that because as, as adults, we read that and we can go, quickly go back to like, oh, I remember that. I remember feeling uncomfortable with that, but it's such a tough situation that it's hard for me even want to know what to say in this situation and, you know, what to do, you know, how to, how to navigate that. So yeah, that's, that's, it, it was fun to write those and they're really thought provoking for kids and adults. And adults and adults, mm -hmm. kids and, and that's one of the ways, as you said, when you keep the conversation open at home yeah. and books like this that give the opportunity to ask your child to ask yourself in this situation, how would you like it to end? Yeah. They are great conversation starters and mm -hmm. it opens the door to really connecting from with your child, learning with your child yeah. and, you know, creating that home environment that is so happy and so healthy. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Jessica, for being with us today. It is such a joy and a pleasure to have you with us. Can you tell listeners where they can find you? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Carla. It's so fun to chat with you and talk it's a about delight. all this stuff. <laughs> um, the easiest place to find me is jessicaspear.com, which is S-P-E-E-R. And that has links off to all my socials, information about my books. I do write a monthly e-newsletter if anybody's interested in, you know, hearing more about all these topics. So yeah, jessicaspear.com. Okay, listeners, that's J-E-S-S-I-C-A, Jessica Spear, S-P-E-E-R, and the title of the book, Middle School, Safety Goggles Advised. All right. So before we go, just tell listeners one more time the name of your first book. The first book is called BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships. And that grew out of a friendship program I ran for girls and is uh, great for readers seven to, I would say, 13. Okay, listeners, if you haven't heard that podcast, look that one up. It is a great book, great podcast. So thank you, Jessica. It is always a delight. I so appreciate your time. And as we conclude today's podcast, I would love to thank Familias Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familias content, such as the book we talked about today, Middle School, Safety Goggles Advised, be sure to visit us at Familias.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time we can and will make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, shine, shine as only you can do.